to understand that a lot of the things that we experience with God are up to us. I heard somebody one time say that you have all of God that you want. That, you know, could you have more of God in your life? Well, sure. And they said, well, you've got all of God that you want. And people are like, well, but I'm seeking God. I'm trying to get more of God. And uh, the point was is that a lot of this is up to us. We have to seek after it. We have to grab hold of it. We have to go get it. And there are lots of promises that need our work and our uh, attention to be able to get. We talked about the promised land in Israel, how God promised land to the nation, and they didn't get it. There was... uh, it, it just didn't work out because they didn't have faith and they didn't have the opportunity to fight for it. And when we talk about um, <clears throat> the conditional promises of God, I want to make sure that we don't get confused into thinking that I'm saying that God changes, that God is different, that God's love is conditional. God's love is unconditional. God's love is always there. In fact, in Hebrews thirteen eight. It talks about the character of Jesus, and it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So if 2,000 years ago Jesus was willing to die for you on the cross, what does he think of you today? He thinks the same thing. What is he going to think of you tomorrow? He's going to think the same thing. He's going to love you the same way. There's no way that's going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. However, last week we talked about salvation as a conditional promise and we got that from Hebrews 10 verse 9 just put verse 9 up there and uh, Hebrews 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and so this was our if this was our conditional promise there's an if in there and that if is very important just because the opportunity to be saved is there for every human being on the planet because of the unconditional love of God, that doesn't mean that everybody is saved because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We have to confess Christ. We have to take a public stand for Jesus and we have to believe in our heart that what happened is true and then we can walk into salvation. So there's a piece of this that's up to us. We have to confess and believe. Now we don't want to get legalistic about that but you would agree wouldn't you that not everybody is saved that Jesus has died for. It's just that simple. We have to receive the gift of salvation. We have a part. We have a role. And so last week we asked this very important question, and that's what we're going to talk about today. You will be saved. Saved from what? Isn't it important to know what we're saved from? If we don't know what we're saved from, then we're not going to understand the significance of the situation. And I think there's some deep things in here, uh, simple but deep things that we can grab a hold of. And so let's pray, and we'll walk into the new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit, and you guide us by your word. Lord, help us to grab a hold of your truth. Father, I pray for each person that's in here right now, Lord, that we would hear the thing that you have for us. We're all dealing with different things. We are all fighting different battles, and we all need a different touch from you. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would touch each one of us with what we need this morning. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, one of the most fabulous experiences I've had as a preacher is when people come up to me afterwards and they say, man, that thing you said was so awesome. It just got me right here. And I'm like, well, what was it? And then they say something I, I, that I've never heard before. And I'm like, wow, that is really good. And that's just God telling them something. And, you know, they thought it was me, which I guess is a little, little funny. But, you know, let the Lord show you something. I've had wonderful experiences sitting in church, not paying attention to the preacher with God just showing me stuff, and it's been fantastic. And uh, hopefully we won't have to worry about that too much this morning, but uh, receive, understand you can receive something good from God just personally, and that's what we want today. So saved from what? Let's read Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 through 23, this is the, Matthew chapter 1, it's the beginning of the New Testament, the first chapter in the New Testament, and an angel comes and talks to Joseph, who is pledged to be married to Mary, and uh, explains a situation to Joseph, because he was a little confused as to what was going on. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So that's a serious problem. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he's going to send her away. He's done with her. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Why did Jesus come here? What was his purpose? His purpose was to save his people. Who are his people? We are. And whoever is willing to be his people are his people. Now, when this was said, there was the Jews and the Gentiles. There were the chosen people and the unchosen. And now, hallelujah, the two have been made one. And there is, there is one body that worships God together, the followers of Christ, because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus, that's, that's all we're going to read out of that one. So um, <clears throat> Jesus will save his people from their sins. Now we look at that, and in our culture, we're very individualistic, right? We're all, it's, it's, we see the world through individualistic eyes. When that was being said, it was said not just to individuals, but it was said to a nation, that the nation would be saved from their sins. Let me ask you a simple question. Does the United States of America need to be saved from its sins? Yeah, I agree. I agree. As a group, we need to be turned to God away from sin. But that's true as a group, but it's also true for us individually. Individually, I need to be turned from my sin. I need to be saved from my sin. I need to be saved from sin in general. What does that mean? I believe there are three ways that through Christ we are saved from sin individually. And then there's the greater, you know, corporate societal saved from sin. But the three ways, one of them is very, very important, but very, very commonly understood. And two of them, 
Two of them are a little less understood, and so we're going to talk about those in a little bit more detail. But the first way we are saved from sin is we are saved from the consequences, spiritual consequences of our past sins. We are saved from God's wrath coming down on us because of our past. Have you heard that one before? That Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed for your sins so that your sins could be forgiven and that you could be made right with God. Hopefully you've heard that one before. And it's just early in the morning and you're, you're not... Last night everybody was ready to go. Did you know last night was the first service ever? Everybody showed up on time. On a Saturday night. Who'd have thought? 6.30, they're all ready to go. I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, it was very, very confusing. But... I guess it was warm out yesterday. Everybody was feeling good and it all worked out nice. Now it's cold and icky. So, what does it mean to be saved from our own sin? Let's go to Romans chapter 5. We'll read 6 through 10. Let's see what this says. Romans 5, 6 through 10. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is a very, very important point. Because if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us so much to sacrifice himself for us. When we were fools and blaspheming and against God, if he was willing to do that then, how about after we turn to him? What's his opinion of us going to be then? Let's keep going. Verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So saved from God's wrath. Very important thing. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Saved from what? Saved from God's wrath because of our past sins, what we've done to God's creation, what we've done to people that God loves and has created and wants the best for and we've hurt them. We are saved from God's wrath for what we've done to his creation by the blood of Christ. We are justified by faith in what Jesus has done and we're set free. Hallelujah for that. Um, Amen. Yay. Saved from the consequences of sin. Now, I assume a literal translation of the Bible and it talks about books that are in heaven where stuff is recorded and so the things we do are written down in these books and we'll have to face God and the books will be opened and we'll have to talk about the things that happened and the blood of Christ is the great eraser from those books so that our sins are taken away. They're erased from the recording. I don't know if it's going to be a VHS video camera or you know maybe it'll be the greatest technology ever but when this was written it was books and so I'm assuming books it is. But uh, fantastic. It will be recorded anyway and that's how we get those yucky things out is through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so this is very important. We need to receive forgiveness but... There's an if in receiving forgiveness in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 is quite a wonderful verse. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So isn't that nice? If we forgive people, we'll be forgiven. But 
The other is also true, verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Was Jesus lying when he said this? I'm guessing not. This is very strong, isn't it? Now, of course, forgiving others is easier said than done, right? And I believe that if we are trying to forgive, that is sufficient to not have God's wrath on us. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can be trying to forgive and not be succeeding. You know, like you can say, I forgive them, and then you check your heart and you're like, nope, (laughs) haven't. And uh, you can tell it's still in there. And if you're trying, great, work through the process. Uh, I've talked about a situation where, uh, and this was just a work situation. It really wasn't that big. I mean, it was bad. I don't want to undercut it. But it wasn't directly on me. And it took me a year to forgive in this particular situation. And I was trying. And it took a year. And it's not the worst thing anybody's ever been through. And so there can be things that we really, really have to fight and battle and struggle to forgive. And this ties into the other ways that we are forgiven. Or I'm sorry, the other ways that we are set free from sin. Now, we are not just forgiven. This is very important. It's not that we're just the same person forgiven. We are born again. Those are two very, very different things. To be the same person living the same way with the same mentality, doing the same things wrong, you know, having the same mess, that's, and, and be a forgiven person, you know, that's different from being new. A new creation. Being born again. So let's look at a couple of verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 19, talks about being a new creation. 2 Corinthians, oh, I'm sorry, 5. 5, yes. I, I wrote that down wrong. Uh, it should be 5. It's 6 on mine. I was a little... I'm very sorry. Scared you there, didn't I? Like, oh no, I can't do that one. Five. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So when we are regarding people, we don't regard them as the person who has done these things wrong. We regard them as someone who the old is gone and the new has come. They are a new creation. They aren't that person. I'm from small towns and I remember one time in the small town I was in, Someone was describing how terrible this drunk person was. What a, what a lush, what a drunk. It had been 28 years since he had had a drink. But in town, he was still a drunk. Right? That is regarding someone in a worldly point of view. But in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. You're not a drunk anymore. That's gone. You are now free in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come couple more verses verse 18 all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation so the old is gone the new has come Jesus describes it as being born again John 3 3 Jesus says 
Uh, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You have to not just be forgiven, but you have to be made new. You have to be brought into a new identity. You have to be brought into a freedom. You become born again, a new creation. Now this is good news. This is really, really good news. Do you need a fresh start? Ever want to take a mulligan in life? The gospel of Jesus Christ is, you get to be made new. You get a mulligan in life. You get to start over. You get to be born again. You get to not identify with who you were. You can have that be gone and identify with who you are in Christ. That's why there was all the renaming and stuff in the Bible. Have you noticed people are given new names? You know, uh, Peter got a new name. Paul was Saul. You know, they, they got new names because they were new people. And they got a fresh start. That's the gospel. And so that means that we are free, not just from the sins we've committed, but we're free to be new people. And that means that we're set free from sin in two more very important ways. We are set free not just from our past sins, but I believe we are also set free in Christ. And we have to grab hold of this, understand, we have to fight for this. We are set free from other people's sin. We are set free from just the ugliness of this world and the sins that have been committed against us. There are people, man, it's one thing to have an issue with my own sin, my own guilt, my own issues, but man, so many people, their sin problem isn't a problem with their own sin, it's the sins other people have done to them and those they love and it's the ugliness of this world that they've seen. It's because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold that Jesus was describing. We need to be set free from the ugliness of this world and the sin that's been perpetrated against us and against those that we love because that can be a bondage, that can be a prison, that can be something that molds and shapes you into someone who you are not supposed to be. And so we need to be free from other people's sin. How do we get set free from other people's sin? Well, there's a very, very important key, and it is simply this. We have to forgive. We have to forgive that sin, because here's what happens. Sin creates a bond. If someone sins against you, then you think about them. You think, I want to strangle them. I want to punch them. They are such a bad person. My life would be so much better if I had never been bothered by so-and-so. You think there's a connection with that person. It's a negative bond. It's a bad bond. But it's a bond just the same. And you are controlled by it and moved by it and shaped by it. And you're conscious of it. You're aware of it. And you have to break that. And you break it through forgiveness. The, the word picture that I like with this is an old whaling ship. If you, like Moby Dick era whaling ship. You know, they had the harpoons with the ropes on them. And they'd get close to a whale and they'd, they'd throw them or they'd shoot that cannon thing, you know, and they'd hit the whale. And then the ship would be connected to the whale with the harpoon and a rope. And so here's the deal. The, the ship is sinning against the whale And it creates a bond. And it creates damage. And so the 
the harpoon hits. You know how somebody says something cruel, somebody does something uh, terrible, whatever the case may be, you're sinned against or those you love, that it can be even worse. They sin against your kids or something like that. You know, then it can be even deeper into your heart. It hits you and then there's that connection and it can keep doing damage for years and decades into the future unless you can break that bond. I've seen people go their whole life affected by somebody else's sin and never get free from it because they were always bitter, they were always angry, they were always uh, holding it against them. And here's the deal, you just have to cut the tie. And you do that by forgiving. Now when we forgive, we don't say, what you did wasn't that bad. We just say, I'm releasing your debt of sin against me. I'm letting it go. We just release it. And it doesn't get them off the hook with God. One time I had a lady say to me, I would love to forgive, but I don't want them to not have to face what they've done. Guess what? You don't get to forgive somebody before God. You forgive them before you. And so you can break that tie and you can let it go and then you can be free to now heal. You don't pretend it never happened. It's not denial. It's overcoming what has happened. And so we are set free from other people's sin. And this is a battle. But here's the deal. I refuse to let who I am be formed and influenced by someone else's sin. Forget it. That's not going to make me who I am. And you should not let that happen to you either. If your parents were terrible when you were a kid, don't let that own you for the rest of your life. If you had a horrible marriage and it was a disaster, whatever it is, don't let that change you into someone who you are not supposed to be. Be free from it. Here is a tremendous, we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. This is an important, important idea to understand because we get forgiveness of sins and personal guilt and that sort of a thing, and that's great. That's an important part of the gospel. But there is so much more to it. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. This is Jesus. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So go back to verse 18. So what is Jesus saying that he's going to do, that his ministry is, that his purpose on earth is in setting us free from sin. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. Are you a prisoner of what someone has done to you 20 years ago? Are you oppressed in these ways? 
you can get free. This is not who you are. Do not identify yourself as the person who had this done to them, the person who has been labeled this way. The most horrible thing that can happen is someone can speak lies over you when you're impressionable and you believe the lies instead of the truth. Then you need your eyes opened. One of the things that was difficult for me as a kid was uh, I couldn't read. And so... I felt stupid because you feel stupid when you can't read. And it would be, you know how you go around the class and you have to read? Oh, it was horrible. I remember this was, I think it was fourth grade. Fourth grade. So I'm sitting in the class and there's this ridiculous word in the beginning of my sentence. You know, how come I don't get the easy words? But there was a T and H and an E. And I'm like, those three don't go together. You know, what is that? You know, I'm trying to sound it out. It makes no sense to me at all. And I'm, I'm just embarrassed and, and scared. And the teacher told me what the word was, so I just quickly said it and went on to the next word. And I could get that one, and I got the one after that. And then, doggone it, there that thing was again. And by now, I'd forgotten what she said. So I'm just like, oh, doggone it. You know, there's that again and I'm like no and I still don't know what it is and so you know those were things that as a kid growing up you just feel like an idiot and then you have to to this day walking by a card catalog gives me a panic attack yeah if you ever tried to use one of them things they're it's just like what is that you know I don't know what that is it just they don't make any sense to me at all and so uh you know you're trying to figure all this stuff out and you can get an identity You know what I mean? You can get that identity of, I'm the one that doesn't know what everyone else knows, that doesn't understand what everyone else understands. And that's not anybody did that to me. It's just the reality of who I was growing up. And so I have to reject that mentality of, I'm the one who doesn't understand. I'm the one who can't get it when everybody else can. I have to reject that. When I became a new Christian, I did not fit in at all. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know when to stand and sit, didn't know the songs, all that stuff. I had no clue. And so I felt like an outsider. And I had to reject that. I don't belong here. I had to reject that and believe the truth. And that's just the darkness of the world and the things we have to deal with and getting free from what oppresses us, free from what makes us prisoners, getting our eyes open so that we can see and then we can be set free. And one of the key ways that that happens is being set free from other people's sin. Don't let that shape you into who you are. Third way we are set free from sin is we are set free from our future sins this is good news we are set free from our future sins you know the bible says that it's impossible for god to lie can you lie are you more powerful than god then because you can do things that god cannot well lying is sin and sin is a mistake it's a failure It's a falling down. And God is too smart to fail. So he can't fail. Does my ability to fail and God's inability to fail make me more powerful than God? Absolutely not. It just makes me able to fail. God does not fail. God does not sin. And when we connect with God, we can sin less. We can get better. Now, of course... uh, 
How many people who are fully, completely, totally committed to Christ will probably sin again in their life? And pretty much all of them, right? Haven't found one yet that's gotten completely free. But we can be getting better, amen? We can be making progress. Instead of completely mired in sin, we can be conquering this one, conquering this one, getting some light and and victory here, and moving forward. We can be set free from our future sins. Did you know that the prophecy was given that through the house of David, all the nations on the earth would be blessed? Have you heard that prophecy? Let's read Peter's description of how that comes to pass in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 24. Acts chapter 3, verse 24 says this, Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. That is the days when Jesus would come. He would die on the cross, be raised to life. These days were foretold from the prophets. Verse 25, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. He said to Abraham, all people on, on the earth will be blessed. What is this blessing? Is it a blessing? Is it cash money? Straight cash. Is that the blessing? What is the blessing? Let's see what it is. 26. The blessing is when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Did you know it's a blessing to be turned from your wicked ways? It's not a curse to be turned from your wicked ways. It's not a hassle to be turned from your wicked ways. It's not a waste of time or a boring life. It's a blessing to be turned from your wicked ways because then darkness doesn't own you anymore. Then that mistake that has ruined your relationships in the past doesn't have to happen again and ruin your relationships in the future. You are blessed by being turned from your wicked ways. This is an incredible blessing. So our new identity that we have in being born again, in being a new creation in Christ, is that the old things that have owned us and pulled us down and ruined what we had that was good, we don't have to do that again. We can be made new and be a different person and do the right thing this time and make it. We're set free from sin, the guilt of our past sin, set free from the wrath of God. We are set free and we have to fight for being free from other people's sin and the overall influence of darkness from this world. And we're set free from repeating the same mistakes in the future. This is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to pray. And as we prepare to pray, I just want to ask you this simple Simple series of questions. Where are you at? Do you need forgiveness from past sins? Have you confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you might be saved, be saved from the consequences of your past sins? Are you, like so many people, still affected and shaped and molded by what someone else did to you? You know you can be free from that. You have to fight. It's not just going to magically happen. 
It'll take some time, but you can fight through that and overcome it and have it not be something that oppresses you, but be something that you've conquered. And then God redeems it and you can help other people through that same situation. It's a fantastic plan of God. And then do you need, like, hey, it's fresh start day to day. I need to not do this again. I need to not be bound into this bondage next week, next year. I need to be free. Where are you at? Let's believe God for the power to take the next step to either believe and grab hold of forgiveness, to start cutting the tie and healing so we can move forward not shaped by other people's mistakes, or the empowerment of the Spirit to not continue in our errors. So let's pray and believe God for what He's got for each of us individually. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your grace and mercy. I thank You that You set us free from sin. Lord, that sin doesn't own us. Lord, that we are free from the consequences of sin. Lord, that we are not to identify with what other people have done to us and how other people have labeled us. We are free from that. And Lord, we're free to not make the mistakes in the future. Lord, help us to grab hold of it. Help us to live it out. Help us to grab that victory and have it so that we can be blessed by your gospel. I pray a blessing over each person in this place. I pray your spirit would be upon us. I pray your freedom and your strength would be with us. And Lord, that we could know your love more and more each day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.